We have been, this year, our, kind of like our theme um, is abide. We want to learn how to abide with God. What does abide mean? We, we take it out of uh, John 15, 4. Scripture, Jesus is saying, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. So what that means is if we choose to abide in Christ, stay connected to Christ, allow him to truly be the vine, we're the branches. A branch isn't very good on its own because a branch doesn't actually have roots. It gets its source by being connected to the vine. And so we want to make sure that we're abiding and we're staying connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ. And through that, to let everything else flow through us. And so that's what we're, we've been kind of kicking off this um, so far the beginning of this year. And uh, today we're going to continue on just slowing our soul. Um, how many of you could use a soul slowdown? Uh, just, you ever feel like your life is hectic? It's a little crazy. You got too much going on. Well, what do we do to slow that down? Um, before we do, I want to, we're going to pray real quick. I got a, um, a WhatsApp notification from Alessandro Pereira, who's in Tajikistan. And um, he just said, if you guys have any chance, please pray for a house church that was meeting today in our country. The police raided their home and arrested all, um, all the believers. We're not involved. We're okay. But please pray they be released ASAP. You know, it's interesting. Um, you and I can look at something and we say we're being persecuted against. Anybody here, you ever hear somebody say we're being persecuted against? I mean, and a lot of times it's like a little hiccup. You know, someone sneezes next to us and we're being persecuted against. They're, 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 that can be relative and so there can be truth in it. But what we need to remember is there truly are women and men around the world that are in places where when they choose to gather like this, when they choose to gather in a home, it is not something as free as just we come and do this. We're so free, we can show up when we want, how we want, and it's just kind of, we just kind of go with the flow. But there's some real serious things. When they choose to come and gather together, they don't just do it to see a buddy. They don't just do it to feel better about themselves that they went to church. They do it because it is a lifeline, because they wanna abide. There is something that we can learn from them. So I'm just gonna pray real quick. Father, I thank you that, Lord, you are not the God of America. You are not the God of the United States. You are not the God of, of, of just City Harvest. Lord, that every single person on this planet Earth is your child. And Lord, you desire for every one of your children to come home, to come to your table and to be with you and to be unified with you. And Lord, I just ask that first, that you would help our mindsets to be open and our worldview to be open to see what takes place. And God, that we would have a heart of intercession, that we wouldn't let the negative things paralyze us to where we get so consumed with it, we forget to do what you've called us to do right here in our own hometown but also that we wanna get so consumed with our own right here's that we forget that other things are taking place in the rest of the world. So God, we pray protection over whatever number of people this is, but we ask that you would protect them. 
God, just like in scripture where different times people were put into prison, put in and um, in, in held captive, Lord, one of the most amazing things, there was miraculous ways that they were set free. But God, and there were some that were even beheaded and bad things took place. But God, what I love to see is how you went and visited them there. So Lord, I pray for these believers that you would visit them right now, wherever they are, that they would feel your presence. That as we know the story and there's the song that maybe some of us have sung, that there is another in the fire. God, that you would come and be in the midst of them. We do ask for miraculous um, release. We ask for protection. And God, that through this, that you would be glorified. That through this, their faith, even though it's being challenged, would actually be strengthened. And through this, even though there's a, something to suppress your gospel moving forward, God, that this would go- cause your gospel to spread even faster. Lord, that you would be glorified through it. Just ask that as we open the scripture, that you would challenge us. That you would open new things to um, each one of us and you would speak to us personally. You would meet each one of us right where we're at. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you can open to Deuteronomy chapter... Four. So we are focusing on slowing our soul. And um, we're going to read this portion of Deuteronomy 4, 39 through 40. Am I saying Deuteronomy right? I always, I am? I'm doing okay with that one? That's a hard one. Anybody here struggle with, like Exodus is pretty easy, right? And numbers, I don't know, somehow kindergarten helped me figure that one out. I just, you don't say Deuteronomy a whole bunch in life, you know? Um, Okay, so we're going to read this. Now, we're reading a portion of scripture here where Moses is re-reminding the Israelites who have been, God has said, hey, I want to put something special on you guys but not just because they were so special. What made them special was him marking them, okay? He didn't look around and find so much, okay, where are, where are the special people? Oh, I found them. No, what made them special is that he came and marked them out, which is just what he does with you and I, okay? We could be super smart. You could have a whole bunch of accolades and a whole bunch of degrees and a whole bunch of accomplishments. Uh, You could come from a a powerful family or whatever. Hunky-dory, awesome. Give yourself a round of applause. But here's the deal. What makes you special is Jesus putting his love on you and God saying, hey, I want to work through you. So it's that we've been grafted in to the family of God. He's invited us to sit at his table regardless of our degrees, regardless of our accomplishments, and regardless of what family we were born into. He still says, you're mine and you're special. And he invites us in. Now, with the Israelites, he had given them some guidelines, some different things to do to, um, some of them was just common sense and it was just to get along. Um, some of it was also for them to, to uh, be set apart, uh, to be holy. And what it meant was for them to go about their daily lives in a way that was different than the way the other cultures around them operated. For one reason, 
so that God would be glorified. That through the way they lived, and some of it didn't make a lot of sense, some of it was uncomfortable, but through it, that there would be an obvious thing that God's presence was on them and a blessing was on them so that God would be glorified. Not so that they would be glorified, so that he would be glorified. And so here, uh, but like you and I, even though it made a lot of sense, uh, the Israelites struggled to do it. They struggled to follow those things. He had taken them out of being held captive, and he had brought them to freedom. You and I have, every single one of us in this room has been, if we have a relationship with Jesus, he's taken us out of our own bondage of our life. And he's trying to bring us to freedom. But just like the Israelites, we resist him. And we, we don't, he says, hey, here's the path. And we're so happy that we've, we've kind of been freed, but then we run and we go, we're like, oh no, I found a shortcut. I found an easier way to get there, Jesus. How about this? I'll meet you there, okay? Any of you remember hiking? Maybe you don't have to raise your hand on this one, um, but you will later on a different one. But maybe you're hiking with your family and uh, you know, you're, you're on a trail or something and, and you see a shortcut and you tell like your parent, like, I'll meet you up there. Or I'll meet you down there. And you go to take the shortcut, and then you tumbled and falled and all those things. We take shortcuts, and he's always trying to bring us back. And so that's what's taking place here, and Moses is reminding them of some things. Now, I want to look at it, and I want to look at it in the context not of looking at the law, and if you and I would just obey these rules, everything would go better in our life, or that that's how we're going to earn our salvation. So... What we need to remember is that our salvation was paid for by Jesus going to the cross. It is a done deal. I don't care what mistakes you've made, how horrible of a person you are, how much you look back on your life and think, I just can't believe I did those things. It is a done deal. He paid it. It's done. The only thing you and I need to do now is accept it. So we are not saved by any of the things we're about to read. But because of that, I believe that the church in general has thrown out a lot of God's principles because we say, I'm saved because of that. Truth, okay? That's good. We know that. We're saved because of that. But there's this thing of, so therefore I don't need to do these things. And then our life is a mess it's hectic and it's crazy and we wonder why. And we think, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm following him, but are we really following him? We believe in, in his saving grace for our life. Maybe we partake in the Lord's table and the communion elements and we gather, but is our life actually following what he said? So I wanna look at it from that, that framework of what is he saying to us that are still really good principles for you and I to live by? With the understanding, though, that those principles don't save you and I, but they are wisdom. Because our salvation, our redemption, all of that is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. All right, let's read. So, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39 through 40 says, so remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God, both in heaven and on earth. 
and there is no other. If you obey all the decrees and commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I am giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So let's look at this. So he's telling us, he's, he's telling them to remember. Now we can look at this from the context of this is a story of an old man taking a whole bunch of people about the size of the Portland metro area on a really long camping trip. And they're complaining and they're whining and they're running out of water. They're out in the desert and he's trying to give them guidance. So we can see it as a really neat story. Or we can believe that in this really neat story is something for you and I. And, some, and it still relates to us. Well, it's talking about a promised land. Currently, I don't know, maybe there's a couple people in here. I'm not being, I don't have a piece of property that God is taking me to at this current moment that I know of. Lord, let it be your will. I am your servant if that's what you want. But currently, that's not the case. So I don't have a promised land of this area that he's taking me and my family to that we are going to occupy. Yet, we do have a promised purpose, something that he wants to do in and through me, something he wants to do in and through you, something where he wants you to reside and he wants you to flourish. That is your promised land. So as we read this and we hear about the land, don't think of the Israelites in their land. Think of what is your land. And it's not going to be always measured in acreage or square feet. It's going to be measured in what has God called you to. And what does he want to do in and through your life? And where does he want you to flourish? He talks about your children. In a room this size, some people in this room have children, some don't. Children, though, don't just think of it as that part only pertains to you if you have children that you would call, you know, that you've birthed or that, are, that are, you've adopted or whatever it is, but that that's also a symbol of what you've poured into and, and in a sense, maybe the fruit or that could be people you've discipled. That could be your neighbor's. That could be coworkers. That could be friends. That could be adopted, not so much legally adopted, but families where you've come around and you pour into them. What it means is, and what it's symbolizing here, is that as they receive these instructions from God and walk it out and blessing comes to their life, they are to then pass that along to others. And those others then are supposed to see and remember what, has, what did God do in the previous generation and what can they learn from it and, and to glean from it. That's why we as a church family, we love having the mix of ages and even sometimes when we have like the elementary stay in, having from the young to the very old all in one room so that together we move forward in what God is doing and what he's calling us to. So if we look at it this way, so remember this and keep it firmly in mind. What's it mean to keep it firmly in mind? To hold on to it. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth. 
So he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords everywhere. And there is no other. So we can believe that truth, but are we allowing that truth to, to reside inside of us? If you obey all the decrees and commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. There needs to be obedience. What is the effects of obedience? Is it just agreeing with it in your mind? No, it's when we actually walk it out, when we actually do it. I can tell Tamar all the time that I love her. First couple times, she might think it's sweet. But I tell you what, if she doesn't see action that represents love, she could give a rip how many times I tell her I love her because the words are empty. And so for us to walk it out, it needs to be coming alive out of us. But it says, all will be well with you and your children. You know, when I was reading this, I was just thinking about all these different things in my life where I wouldn't say it's well with me. Where maybe it's a little more hectic, it's a little more crazy. And the more I look at scripture, the more I realize that the areas that are crazy is because I'm not submitting it fully to God. He says, I'm giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So remember, the land is whatever it is he's calling you and I to. He's giving us these things. Okay, good interaction time, question time. Here we go. Let's do it together. Who here, maybe some of you are currently in this, um, who here is like between the ages of like 13 and say 16? Raise your hand, be proud of it. Okay, nice. Um, who here is 17 or older? I'm looking around, I'm looking for honesty, people. And I'm not saying I'm judging you, but you are over 17. You know, if you remember, those of you that are older, if you remember and you go back and you think about when you were younger, there was a time when you wanted to start establishing your independence. You remember those days? And you, you, you came up against a force. You came up against an obstacle. That could be your teachers, that could be your coaches, that could be your managers at your first job, that could be your parents, maybe you're living with your grandparents, I don't know what the framework was, but when you're trying to establish your independence, you come up against resistance. And it can seem like those things are there to rob us of our joy, to rob us of our happiness. I remember even rules learning in Sunday school or in youth group and thinking, Man, God's just like taking all the fun stuff out of life. Like, he thinks I'm gonna glorify him by being miserable? But you know, he says right here, he does it so you will enjoy a long life. The purpose is that you and I would enjoy a long life. It's for our benefit. It's for you and I to flourish. It's not for you and I to be in misery. And if we can trust that, the nice thing is then what we can do is we can go back and look at it and see, okay, how can I implement this? And God, what life do you wanna bring in and through me in this way? Now in Deuteronomy chapter five, he starts laying out some of these and I'll briefly go through them. Verse, um, let's see, six, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, 
the place of your slavery. So he's the Lord, and he's rescued you and I from our own places of bondage in our life. Each one of us has had our own Egypt in our life. Verse seven, you must not have any other gods but me. Okay, that's not just what's hanging from our rearview mirror. That's not what other statues. That's not what do we burn incense next to. It's not just, you know, what's around our candles. It's also what do we put in first place in our life. When you and I wake up, what's the first thing we start thinking about? When we have free time, what do we want to be with or all those things? Verse 8, you must not take, uh, make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Um, you must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. So we might say, well, I'm a Christian. It, I only have one God. It's God. I'm a Christian. But you know what? We can still put other gods before him even if we claim to be a Christian. It's something each one of us can do. Verse 11, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Verse 12, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Verse 16, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God I think the majority of our youth are over here, so I'm gonna look this way, and some of my kids. Honor your father and mother. As the Lord your God commanded you, then you will live a long life, full life, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Any of you ever have to like write something? Maybe you had to go to the chalkboard when you were in school, and you had to write, like, I will not curse, or I will raise my hand before talking, or one of those things. I remember having to write um, Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 16, a lot about honor. Um, verse 17, you must not murder. 18, you must not commit adultery. 19, you must not steal. 20, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You know, that doesn't just mean you went to court. It also, that is gossip. That is also where we talk about things where maybe we think we observed and we think we know. But you know, we never actually sought to understand and to find out. And a lot of times what we're doing is we go around and we start talking about someone else and we're actually testifying falsely. Testifying is talking. And what we're saying isn't truth. I'll let that one just sit with us. Last one here, 21. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. You must not covet your neighbor's house or land, male or female servant, ox or donkey. Ox or donkey could basically put car or truck or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Man, that's one of the, the hardest things with social media and say Instagram with photos or even, uh, I don't know if people covet things much on Facebook, but let's just stay with Instagram. Is you scroll through and you see what all these people are doing, you see their, their, their vacations or you see their meals or you see you know, the whole family's around the table taking a picture and it, you just, it's just so ideal and it looks so perfect. And, but what we don't see is that as soon as the picture was taken, they, the family started yelling at each other again. 
And what you don't see is that they went into debt going on that vacation. And what you don't, like, we don't see all of that, and we end up coveting. Okay, so can we agree that our lives would be more blessed if we don't kill? Can we agree? Can we agree that if you go kill someone, your life is going to get a tad bit more complicated than it is right now? Can we agree that your life is going to be more blessed if you don't go around lying? And that if you start just lying all the time, that your life is going to be a little more complicated? Can we agree on that? Can you agree that you have more joy when you resist coveting what other people have? And that the more you give into the temptation of coveting what other people have, that your joy plummets like there ain't no tomorrow. Okay? So can we agree that there's truth in what he's saying? And that these aren't rules to hold you and I back, but there's wisdom saying, I want you to have a long and fruitful life, and I want you to make it to your purpose, to your destiny. I want you to be able to flourish, so please control your lying. Please don't murder. And so we can say some of these are good, but you know one that we have pushed off to the side as being like somehow do not murder still applies to you and I. I would have you raise your hands, but I don't want the one person not raising their hand and everyone think, you know, oh gosh, do not sit next to that person anymore. We still believe that do not lie applies to our life. We still believe that do not covet applies to our life. I think most of us would agree, agree in theory that we should have no other gods besides him and we shouldn't make any idols. Why I say in theory is because I believe that each one of us, me included, we do have a lot of other gods that we put in front of him. We might not know them in a world religion store as another god, but because they take precedent or they take preference in our life to him, we're making them another god. But one that we skip over and somehow has been thrown out as Old Testament, as an old way of thinking, is Sabbath. So in the Sabbath one, it says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. You know what it's for? It's for you and I. God did not need one more day just to be with us. Now, I know as parents, tomorrow and I, there's been a lot of times where our kids wanted to go do something and we said no. Sometimes we wanted our family to be unified. But a lot of times we don't say no to them because we just can't handle not being with them another minute. A lot of times it's because of their own blessing, their own health, their own ability. We're saying no because we actually want them to flourish. So we say no to something to help them. God has given us this so that you and I could slow down. But what's interesting is when we get together with people, I would say the majority of the conversations I have with people, whether it be a appointment or it's just conversation or someone sending me a text and asking for prayer, 
it almost always comes down to the hecticness of life. Sometimes they started lying and they created themselves a problem. Sometimes they started coveting and they created themselves a problem. I guess you can't really start kind of murdering, but they could have a lot of anger and hate and it's created a problem. But you know what? The most of the time, if I look at my life and I'm honest and I say like the majority of people I talk to, it's we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to slow down. And I would love to say that that's a human thing, but honestly, it's really a Western church problem that doesn't believe in Sabbath. You go to a lot of other cultures around the world, they love the Sabbath. Even the non-believers still have adopted the principle and believe in it and practice it because they see health in it and they see life coming through it. Okay, so we agree that um, our lives will be blessed. So remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and earth, and there is no other. If you obey all the decrees and commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I am giving you these instructions so, 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 that means this is the reason why you will enjoy a long life in the land, your destiny, your purpose. The Lord your God is giving you for all time. I'm going to read real quick out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. You know that you are a temporary resident here on earth. You are a foreigner on earth. That you and I are never actually going to be satisfied here on earth. We look at things and think, if I could just buy that, if I could just accomplish that, if I could just do that, if my life could just look that way, if, if all these things, somehow we're going to find happiness and joy. You and I are foreigners, and we will never find true satisfaction until we get home, because we weren't made for earth. We were made for heaven. We were designed for it. So we're never going to totally try to find it. doesn't mean... Don't enjoy things, but to know that we could strive our whole life and we're never actually gonna appease our appetite because it will only be satisfied in heaven. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Activity, do more, accomplish more. It wages war against our souls. Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to God, who is able, say he is able, he is able. through his mighty power at work within us, say within me. Within me. So he is able, able. Within, me within me to accomplish infinitely more then we might ask or think glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. He is able to do so much more in and through us. He is able in you, in me. He is able. Do we believe it though? 
And if we do, let's follow what he's asked us to do. Not as a commandment to get us salvation, but so that you and I can start living a fruitful, productive, long life. And we can make it to our promised land of what he's calling us to. And so that then he can be glorified by the way we live and others begin to see not how amazing you and I are, but they can begin to see that you and I are actually crazy. That we are following some weird guidelines that we choose to actually find rest. And through finding rest, we seem to have more life. And we actually seem to be moving forward faster than someone who's just trying to do it all in their own strength. So that he gets the glory. You know, God can do more with 80% of our week, your week and my week, than you and I can do with 100%. God can do more with 80% of our day than you and I can do with 100%. God can do more with 80% of our finances than you and I can do with 100%. Why? Because he is able to do far more than any of us could dream, think, plan within each one of us. Because he is what? Come on, he is able. Do we believe it though? Do we believe, I'm sorry if you're sitting in the front row and you're getting spit on. <laughs> that he is really able to do more. And all he asks us to do is to pull back and to trust in him. But it is an act of trust. So we have to change our mindset from I'll believe it when I see it. Anybody here, you have that mindset. I'll believe it when I see it. Kind of like show it to me first. To I will see it when I believe it. So many times we can have the I, I'll believe it when I see it. And that's, well, once I get through my task list, then I'll start Sabbathing. That's a, I'll believe it when I see it. Because once I get caught up, then I'll learn to rest. Once my finances reach the point I need them to be at, then I'll become a radical giver. What, once my day isn't hectic, then I'll start slowing down in the morning to be with God. That's a, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I'll see it when I believe it. Faith is God, I'm gonna give to you first, trusting that what I have is yours and you just asked me to steward it. And that, but in it, you don't want me to suffer, you're gonna take care of me. I'll see it when I believe it, is God, I'm gonna begin to give you the first part of my day so that you really do become my cornerstone that I measure off of and I go toward, and I then go out from that point and I believe that my day will go run smoother and you'll give me guidance and I'll be able to do more with this smaller portion than if I just got up and just got to the task list. I'll see it when I believe it is God, I am gonna learn to set aside an amount of time each week to just be with you, to find rest and to find delight. Even though I have a task list a mile long, I'm gonna believe that from that place of rest, you're gonna give me energy and you're gonna give me wisdom in how to accomplish those things moving forward so we don't wait for it to take place. We first do the
the obedient thing of doing what he's called us to do. Oh, wow. Uh, Priest team, if you guys will come up or mark in them. Sorry. I want to read out of Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read out of the message, verse 28 through 30. And I just want you to listen to this. You don't need to turn there. Um, I mean, you can if you want, but I more want you to hear what I'm going to say. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. He's calling us to rest. He's calling us to slow your soul. To me, why was this so important? I felt God gave me this to, to look at this, not because I thought this was gonna be the greatest message I ever preached and I wanna make sure you were all here to witness the masterpiece. Not because I thought it was gonna be the one that got the most amens and I just thought, man, the more we could pack the room out and the more people that could say amen, you know, the momentum would be there. But it's because I believe that you and I live hectic lives and that hecticness causes us to not flourish and to not actually accomplish the land that God has given us. But so much of it is our own doing. It's not because of our boss. It's not because we didn't get that promotion. It's not because of the family we grew up in. It's not because who's our neighbor. It's not because of this and because of our health and because of all these things. Those things influence us. But I believe one of the things that holds us the most back is we don't know how to be with God. We don't know how to rest. We don't know how to slow down. Because we have pushed that off as it's not, that's not actually wisdom. Why is it so important to me that those that called City Harvest would be here today? It's because I want to see you flourish. This isn't just about us being here and jumping up and down and singing a song. It's not about how many community groups can you join. It's not can you have faithful attendance to every month with women's ministry or men's ministry. It's not how many crackers and shot glasses of juice can you pound every Sunday to just get a little extra of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not how many, you know, how many times can you read through the Bible in a year. It's do we allow God to come and change us. And it's changing our character. But you know, the majority of us are bad responses. It's actually not an anger problem. It's a rest problem. The majority of lust, it's not just I just can't control my eyes. It's a I've let my life become so chaotic that I don't know how to control myself because I don't know how to rest. The majority of marriages aren't falling apart because two people decide they refuse to get along. It's because we don't know how to rest. 
The majority of parenting problems aren't because the parents hate their kids and the kids hate their parents. It's because they don't know how to rest. Most of us don't feel like we have a thriving life and we are always looking for another vacation and another break. This is me included because I don't know how to rest. There's nothing wrong with a vacation. Let's go and let's enjoy God's beautiful earth. Let's enjoy some other people that he's brought into our life. But more important than that next destination is can we rest in his presence? Can we allow him to come and transform our thinking and allow life change to take place inside of us? We're going to go into a, a time of response and just worship. I believe this is a time for us to reflect on our lives. I believe that this is a time for us to repent. Do I want you to feel condemned? Absolutely not. Do I want us to feel Holy Spirit come and kind of prod us and poke us and say, you're not actually following what I told you to do? Yes. Do I want us to come to the altar and just saying, I am worthless, I'm a loser? Not at all. Do I want us to come and say, God, I need more of you. I'm not obeying your wisdom. I'm doing things in my own strength. Yes. So let's reflect, let's repent, and let's come to a place, though, of renewal and of allowing God to refresh us. We're going to sing for a bit, and then we're going to be taking communion because what's important is we don't walk out of here thinking that in our own strength we can fix our lives. That if we just put a couple new protocol, a couple new steps into our daily rhythms, that somehow everything gets better. We need to remember that it is only through the life, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that you and I move forward. And for us to walk out knowing that even if we still struggle with finding rest, we are still victorious through the blood in the life of Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice. So we can walk out of here with our head held high that he is good and that he has redeemed us. He has forgiven us. And we have everything we need in him to then, and from that place is where we then follow his commands and we follow his wisdom. Let's worship.